So what does seven, living for seven generations mean? Today, I want to talk about that in that context of that triple bottom line that we've been talking about a couple of times. Because people and planet are really closely tied, since, as far as I know at least, there still isn't a planet, a planet B that we're heading to. So I usually thought of living for seven generations from that environmental perspective. And recently, that's widened for me to include all the components of the triple bottom line. Those interactions that highlight the structures and the systems that we create, we co-create, and we change with our participation. Living for seven generations is clearly a call for stewardship, environmental stewardship, community stewardship, societal stewardship, and the guidance and the development of our youth. To do any of this well, we have to think bigger, bigger than our families, our local communities. We have to connect the universal heritage of all of us. We have to connect both to our history and to use the tools available to us now. This community offers us a place to explore why to explore deeply why things are the way they are and how do we want them to be in the future. Sometimes, to guide the future, we need to reflect on the past. This is a slide of last names. These last names correlate with occupations that were often heritable. When the world changed slowly and there was a lot of commonality between what people needed to do. And then there was a higher correlation between what parents did and what their children did. Let's contrast that with today, where I can't even name some of the professions that will be available to my children, because they were definitely not available when I was choosing professions, and some of them have not, do not even exist yet and I have a 16-year-old. It's not far, and they're emerging all the time. And that is a huge difference. The variance between the skills individual people need is also so much bigger. I honestly love the variety and freedom that has emerged in our society, because, but because two things can also be true at the same time, developing the skills our children need can overwhelm a parent. Any parent, the scope of what we ask parents to do is huge. And to do any of this well, we have to invest in our youth. Nate Hilger's book, The Parent Trap, How to Stop Overloading Parents and Fix Our Inequality Crisis, summarizes what we know about how to help children develop and grow, our history of, soci of our society of limiting those opportunities for poor and minoritized communities, and he offers a policy solution that he calls family care that would support deep investments in youth and families in America. And as a parent, I have to admit that there have been times I have felt completely overwhelmed. And maybe I am not the only one who's looked around and said, there has got to be a better way. <laughs> that feeling was commonly associated with me with some of the additional complexity and really confusing processes and really important things, because I don't really get to practice this, right? When I'm doing it, I'm doing it for them, and that, that's it. So the other thing I noticed is it also commonly happened when things completely outside my skill set. 
So an example that I'm going to offer was when my oldest was about five, he started playing soccer. And he went from a, look at the dandelions, I'm really glad to be here with my friends kind of soccer player. Um, and that I could totally relate to. That was kind of my soccer experience. And then he saw a professional soccer game. And he was inspired. And all of a sudden looked up at me and said the most terrifying words I've heard in my life. I want to be a professional soccer player. <laughs> now, rarely, if ever, do I find myself at a loss for words. Yet all I could manage was, so what? <laughs> Why? Because I am so not an athlete, not even close. In fact, for the safety of all, if a sport involves a ball, it should not involve me. <laughs> We're good. So how precisely am I supposed to help him and support him acquiring the skills he would need for this inspiration that he just asked for? Camps, coaches, rec teams, many circles of professional empowered professional support engaged in skill development. And this is because parenting is complex and systems we ask parents to navigate is complex. And I also need to own that that was possible because of my social location. I could get him to practices, participate in the required volunteer hours, afford those supports, and not all families can. The investments in our youth, and that's part of family care, because the investments of our youth would offer and support those opportunities at a baseline for the development of our youth and the future. Working two or three jobs, working in the gig economy, it can make those type of structures and supports that I know we need, desperately needed beyond the reach. And that impacts our children at a societal level. Nate offers that the more we rely on families than, rather than professionals to build skills in our children, the tighter we link our children's um, prospect, our current prospects with the pros our children's prospects to the prospects of their ancestors. And that makes sense, right? We can teach what we know and what we have skills for. From another angle, I have mentioned the genome, the exposome, and the environment before as factors that contribute to our long-term health. And at the youngest ages, we're growing so fast. Support here impacts skills and our fundamental understanding of the world. Our development, our ability to trust, our sense of ethics, justice, and care are fundamental to our development as from people starting at the earliest ages. Early childhood education has been shown to have amazing lifelong impacts in many settings with broad generalizable populations. High quality childhood education, which is both an exposure and an environment, has been shown to support children who were born premature fully develop their cognitive capabilities, and get this, reduce cardiovascular disease. Here at UUCF, our goals are spirituality, community, and justice. Spirituality, faith formation, is one of the many ways to shift from that, that our perspective from that I or that ego space into that us or more global perspective. Joy Berry calls us to live of wrought faith as we co-create a multicultural, multi-generational community. She calls it worked faith. Worked faith development is that communal child skill development calls for building opportunities for those fundamental relationships with a broad communities of care and broad skill sets. 
It calls us to model different ways of being. Without that broad community of care, Nate Hilger offers that parents are both trying to care and support skill acquisition. So as he broke it up, parenting is composed of several professions. And I don't know about you, but mastering any one of those professions could be a lifetime work and requiring feedback and practice. And none of that happens. Most of the time we get to do it once. With 1.9 children per American family, we don't really get a lot of feedback or practice. I really have to own that seldom do I do things perfectly the first time. Again, maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> Professional tutors work with hundreds of children and any of us progress throughout our careers, we grow in our abilities and our knowledge and skills that we didn't have before. And I really have to lift up that parents shouldn't need to be realtors, period. All our children in all our communities should have what they need to survive. Investment in our children is a societal issue. For the, pro for the profit from the bottom line, skills drive economy, both our personal economy and our whole nation's economy. So these youth are the teachers of my grandchildren. They're the physicians who will care for me in my old age, and they are the lawyer who will protect my rights and fight for justice. And they're the grocer who will bring the food to where I live. These are the people who will do the essential work that we recognized in the pandemic, and we recognize the essential nature of our society, but that work is seldom truly compensated fairly. Another reason skill acquisition is super important is honestly, I see it as a reparation. The infant health development program showed the amazing impact of early childhood education for those low birth, birth weight babies with nearly a thousand children providing, quote, key missing investments. Providing these key investments is the reverse of the oppression and massive disinvestment and extraction that minoritized communities have faced for centuries. That investment honors black babies' eyes shining like diamonds. The skill and labor of the labor force have built this nation and it enriches the elite. Starting in 1619, the people stolen from Africa had skills and lay professions, and they were brought here. Learning, reading, and skills were systematically and violently restricted for generations, leaving a legacy of very, very real barriers of trust, skill acquisition, and justice. Yet black people have always taught each other, and there'll be more on that later. During the pandemic, some BIPOC children found relief from racial bias and structural racism and honestly didn't want to go back. Ouch. The Census Bureau Pulse Survey found that a change of 3% to 16% black households homeschooling their children from April to October 2020. Those, most families cited racism and a desire to teach their culture and pride in their history and a relief from the culture of white supremacy in schools. Many cite that they've been teaching each other for generations, and it's part of their culture. So it's vital to listen to these families and those with the lived experience within our society. Relatedly, there was a third grade teacher who did a demonstration in her class in the 1960s. 
the blue-eyed, brown-eyed experience. I see some people have heard of it. Uh, actually, let's ask, how many people have heard of it? Ah, the vast majority. I'll be brief then. Um, and it demonstrated a difference in academic achievement both between groups and from a baseline with one week. One week of social oppression. We have known this for generations. Just as we have known how to enhance skill development and growth and since, the early, since 1972, and now we can track the impact of the course of deep investment in Americans in the next generation through our tax records. When it is invested, the investments, produce, the investments can be tracked over time and show the impact. So we've known it's impactful, but how impactful I still find surprising. I do find it absolutely amazing that early childhood education impacts cardiovascular disease. I also found it amazing and heartbreaking that an arbitrary artificial system of oppression could impact academic performance in a week. Both of those really highlight for me that physiological systems are complex and social systems are complex and they're powerful. For me, this leads to the second half of the definition from, of reproductive justice from Sister Song. Sister Song defines reproductive justice as the human right to remain, maintain bodily autonomy, have children or not have children, and parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. The right to parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. While professionalization can support skill acquisition, navigating really complex processes and racism everywhere affects everything. I have seen amazing black professionals who have 100% one skill acquisition. They are leaders in their field. They are world-class professionals. Look around the room and ask, where can a black person go and not be affected by racism? And honestly, the silence to that question was one of the most painful things I have ever heard. Beloveds, we have to build a future where there are many, many, for the seven generations, that there are many answers to that question, and even better yet, that question doesn't even have to be asked. Not because we're not asking it and it needs to be, but because we have actually done the work. I will be working toward that for the rest of my life. So in summary, Skill acquisition is complex, and it requires a wide variety of knowledge and powerful impacts. Professionalization can help our youth and ease parental overload, and deep community engagement can guide us in how to build a more just and whole community that can last for seven generations. Social structures are complex. So, and right around here, I got to the point of like, so why don't we do this, right? There are huge benefits. We have everything we need to do it. And Nate said even 90% of Americans support universally affordable, high-quality early education. 90%. We don't agree on 90% on much right now, right? That's huge. So why is this not how we live? 
Paid parental leave for, our ch- while, for while our children are learning trust? Oh, yes, please. Basic support for necessities, diapers to healthcare? Amen. High quality early childhood education investing in the future just makes sense. So honestly, there's probably many answers to that question. And I'm gonna limit myself to one offered by Nate, which was the myth of zero-sum parenting. And it's really just, whenever I hear zero-sum, the next thing in my head is scarcity thinking, right? So, and that's really a manifestation of scarcity thinking in parenting. Zero-sum parenting holds that anything given to another child was taken from mine and thus hurts them. And, I mean, obviously, there's complete ranges of why that would not, why we might have other ways of approaching that, like, my child has plenty of abundance, and your child may not, and all of us are co-related. The myth appears in the question of why should a parent or non-parent invest in other people's kids? And I found that I started asking the opposite question. Why wouldn't a parent or a non-parent want to invest in other people's kids? This is the proposed Article II reimagining of our principles. It centers love, justice, interdependence, equity, transformation, and pluralism, generosity, and justice. And this counters zero-sum anything, right? Through our core values. We know that our lives are intricately and inextricably linked. Child development is a communal supersum. We all benefit when our youth thrive. It is the exact opposite of a zero-sum. Increased high-quality early childhood education improves the triple bottom line, caring for people and dramatically increasing profit. And Nate's analysis offered a 15 to 20% rate of return on most of these investments for those who are looking at that profit side of the triple bottom line. That brings me to the one thing that Nate asked parents to do more of. And it's one that I find I strongly agree with. Vote. Sister Song offers a justice statement that centers being economically just, environmentally just, socially just, racially just, humane and just, educationally just, accessible and just, reproductively just, healthily just, and sexually just. And as it is, our children are the largest disenfranchised community in our society. They rely on us. And I love the intersectionality of the reproductive justice definition and their justice statement. It's so powerful. One of the patterns I see over and over in history in progressive social movements is fragmentation and siloing. And that does not create change. It doesn't bring our values into the world. It doesn't help us live for seven generations. And it doesn't insist that we center people and honor our planet. And I refuse to accept a solution that supports my child and harms yours. We need all our children to thrive. They are our future. The African proverb, I am because we are, is a fundamental truth of our interconnection, and it spans seven generations and beyond. Think about it. We have silent generation, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, 
That's six generations right here, right now, in this sandbox. So seven generations sounds far, but really, it's not. It's just a baby step, because we even need to be thinking longer, but we'll start with seven. Seven generations thinking is also one of those things that helps me move from that I or that ego space into that perspective or, or that we in communal and broader view. So I'm going to pause and invite you. Would you like to join me and imagine a future where every child, every single one, is supported with what they need to thrive? I invite you to look for what you can do in this moment and take those small actions to co-create that future in love, in hope, and in justice. <laughs>